Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is July 25th, and last night in Carson, California, Atlanta United was defeated by the LA Galaxy 2 to nothing in a script that is all too familiar to fans of the Five Stripes. And a lot of you vented your frustrations in the mailbag portion that we're going to answer later today. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Douglas David Robertson if you want to see my handsome mug. And I don't blame you if you don't. So let's go through the game here real quick. As I said, this is a script that many of you have seen many times. The Galaxy opened the scoring in the seventh minute. A few defensive breakdowns by the five stripes. It started with a pass by goalkeeper Rocco Rios Novo, kind of toward the middle of the field. Neither Mateus Huzetu or Marcelino Moreno made an attempt to win the duel. The Galaxy took possession, went down the field. The wingbacks were kind of pushed up a little bit, anticipating Atlanta United going into the attack. There was some space in the right channel. Cross came in. Chicharito slammed a shot off Rios Novo's chest. There's nothing he could do to catch that ball, so y'all need to just stop with that. And Kevin Cabral was the first to jump on the loose ball, and he put it in from a couple of feet away. So Atlanta United went down one to nothing. That's now the eighth goal. It is given up in the first 15 minutes of games this season. I think that's tied for the most in the league. If not, it's close to being tied for the worst in the league. Atlanta United tried to rally. Ronaldo Cisneros got put in on goal from a great pass by Sadich. On the uh, it was sta- it was saved by Jonathan Bond on the ensuing corner kick. Marcelino Moreno was left wide open at the back post, and he put his header not on goal. That was Atlanta United's only two chances in the first half. It created just two chances in the first half, which is simply not good enough. But you've heard me say that before. The Galaxy's 4-3-3 formation, Pineda said, kind of flummoxed Atlanta United in the first half. I'm not quite sure why, because they could have switched to a 4-3-3 with either Wiley or McFadden pushed up and George Campbell playing as a right fullback. But they didn't. Pineda made adjustments to start the second half. He brought on Joseph Martinez, brought on Tiago Almada, two of the team's three designated players. Atlanta United took some control of the game, lost it again for a while, and then got it back, of course, when they were pushing to try to get that tying goal, which is they just won't play that way until they feel pressure. And 
Pineda bemoaned that in the postgame press conference. It's, a, it's a, again, another season-long problem for this team. And then uh, Jovalich scored in the 95th minute to end the game. It was, it was over anyway. Um, you know, some of these stats are going to seem kind of familiar. Atlanta United won the possession duel 51.3 to 48.7. The Galaxy had more expected goals, 1.91 to 1.31. Atlanta United created just eight chances, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, why that's a problem. Um, trying to find duels, but I don't see duels on the stat sheet this time. But I'm guessing the Galaxy won a majority of them because that's what it looked like to me. Um, Luis Arahujo, three shots, only one on target. Joseph Martinez led with three chances created. Mateus Uzetu with the most completed passes, 53. Almada with the most completed passes in the final third, 19, even though he only played 45 minutes. Arahujo with eight crosses attempted, which that's a lot. Uh, I think some of those may have come from corner kicks. And really, those are kind of the highlights. It's uh, it's just a not a good performance by Atlanta United. And as a result, you look at the standings. They only trail Cincinnati by four points for the seventh and final playoff spot. But the issues that the five stripes have is there are four teams between it and Cincinnati. And Atlanta United is only two points ahead of Toronto, which just brought in two world-class players, as well as a Canadian national, as well as a really good fullback to boost its roster. It's I said last week on the roundtable that I thought Atlanta United would make the playoffs but I thought they would come out and play better against the Galaxy, and they didn't. Now I'm not sure that they're going to make the playoffs. But let's go to some audio compiled by producer Shane doing a fantastic job in place of Jay, who also does a fantastic job. And the first question was asked by me of Pineda. I thought that the previous issues had resurfaced, and why did he not start Almada? First of all, I I disagree a little bit with that statement that you made. I feel like... uh... It was a little bit different. I felt that the change that LA Galaxy did in their shape with a 4-3-3, it was uh, a big factor. Uh, they've been playing 4-4-2 most of the games. The last part of Colorado's game, they played 4-3-3, but we were expecting more than 4-4-2. Uh, and I felt that the first half, we couldn't really control the game uh, in the way we wanted. The second half was much better. We were pushing, we were trying to to get into those areas. Uh, and I felt that uh, that we were not lucky in the final third. Uh, and then why not Tiago? I mean, I had to make choices. I have to make uh, uh, choices with the back five that we were playing. We were, you know, looking for solidifying the back five. And that means, you know, I have three spots up front. I decided for Luis, Marcelino, and Ronaldo, uh, but we will we will try to check the film and try to see if we could have done better. I think uh, yes, individually Thiago was very good tonight, but uh, I will check if tactically that could have helped us also in that moment. And then Pineda was asked about the first half mentality and tactics. I was more talking about that, you know, mental switch of kind of being passive at the beginning of the game uh, and probably not on the front foot completely and not trying to be aggressive. And that 
uh, it seemed to me like we were not switch on and we have to wait every game until we consider a goal, then we have to come. And then we show a very good mentality. We are actually into the game every time and we are, have a strong uh, response to those uh, goals against. But it wasn't, you know, lack of effort or anything like that. I felt it was more like not being into the game, not being completely into the game as, as they were. They were winning every 50-50 every ball in the first half. Every little second ball, they played direct balls, and then Chicharito was winning those those balls or the second balls for them, and that's what what I mean, like that mentality of being in the right position, switch on, and, and winning those duels. Because I don't feel also they out out outplayed us in the first half. It was more the direct plays from them, the long switches, the balls in behind, but not really connecting passes or or disrupting our pressure. Uh, um, so, so nothing, nothing like that. If that answer seemed to contradict itself to you, it definitely did to me. It's not effort. It's about them winning 50, 50 duels and, and stuff like that. That's it's about intensity. Well, that's to me, that's effort. Maybe Pineda has a different definition of, of effort than I do. Um, Mateus Uzetu, who served as captain last night, was brave enough to uh, step up to the podium and answer some questions. So I asked him, how does this team get off to better starts in games? It's tough to say. I think, you know, they scored an early goal and, and that proved to be difficult for us. Um, and we're coming here playing at Los Angeles. It's a good team playing on the road. Um, but I think in the second half, we started better. We were able to get control of the game. Um, and that's, that's how we need to start trying to have that mentality and, um, and, and playing like that, uh, the way we want to play from, from the beginning. Uh, but we're, we're all working together to, to try and do that. Um, so we have to take this as a learning experience and, and try to get better. God bless his but I have heard that answer. I don't know how many times the past three years, it's, it's just a fact and a story that I've written. will post in just a little bit about Atlanta United being in danger of missing the playoffs, and here's why, and here's what they need to fix. Again, you can find that on my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. We're going to go to a break and come back with a very, very lengthy mailbag. I want to thank all of you for your insightful questions. They're, it's obvious once I start reading them, you'll hear people are putting a lot of thought and they have a lot of passion for this MLS team. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. 
If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf. Matt asks, in the last two games, Atlanta United emptied the arsenal in the final 30 minutes. They put as many high-impact offensive players on the field as they could in the last half of each game. Both times they put on a blistering attack but couldn't put the ball in the net. As we all know, you have to put the ball in the net, especially with that much firepower. Clearly, they have the ability to generate a strong attack, but the goals are not there and haven't been for a long time. Is it bad luck? Will the pendulum of fate swing in Atlanta's direction, or is it a festering and probably difficult problem? So, at this point in the season, Atlanta United has still yet to win two consecutive league games. It has only won two out of its past 11. If I'm Pineda, I'm saying screw it. Let's just try to outscore everybody and put as many of your attacking players on the field. Play with the three center backs. Put one defensive midfielder, whomever that can be, in front. It can even be another center back. Just have them sit, push the wing backs up high, get Araujo, Almada, Joseph, and either Dom or Cisneros on the field at the same time. And uh, just try to outgun everybody because what is being tried is clearly not working and you're running out of time. And then he continues, how's Georgia College working out? Well, my daughter loved it, but she is going to transfer or has transferred and will start at Georgia in the fall. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. This next email I love. It's from Adam. It reminds me of the Family Guy episode where they do the takeoffs on Star Wars. And there's two stormtroopers shooting their their rifles, and they don't hit anything. And one turns to the other and says, have you ever actually shot anything with one of these? And the second stormtrooper says, I shot a bird once. Anyway, here we go with Adam. Fitting that for Star Wars Day, which was at Dignity Health Sports Park last night, the stripe shooting was about as accurate as that of Imperial Stormtroopers. Almada was clearly the best player on the pitch once he came on, and it's no secret the team is far and away more potent when he plays. So why on Tatooine did he not start? If this was tactical, then I'd say that's a fail by Pineda. Pineda said it was tactical. When he plays with three center backs, he only has three midfielders, and Almeida wasn't the choice. Instead, he went with Moreno and Araujo. And I now need to point out, in the past two games, Moreno has created two chances— Arahujo has created two chances, including none last night. They've put a combined, I think, two shots on goal in the past two games. If they don't have an attacking midfielder to play off of, they cannot play together. It's, 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 it's a fact. Adam continues, once again, Atlanta starts a match as casually as a weeknight scrimmage, and once again, that lack of focus makes the difference. After the Austin debacle, Pineda said he would work to address the on-field work rate. But has the team actually installed a change of routine, or is he relying on better motivational speaking? Do or do not, there is no try. Yeah, uh, so they came out and beat a weakened Real Salt Lake team. Then they gave up an early goal to Orlando and had to fight to draw that game, give up an early goal to the Galaxy, can't rally to tie that game. It seems to me that Gravity has taken back over, and this was what one of the things I wrote about 
after the Alston thing and asked questions of several people, is this sustainable? It doesn't appear that it is. And now Atlanta United has to go to a Chicago team that is playing very, very well. I think they've won their past three, also fighting for a playoff spot in a, a city in which Atlanta United has rarely played well for whatever reason. Um, it's going to be a tough game. And then Adam says, LA had a great, a lot of great one-touch movement in the first half, including the transition ahead of their goal. Meanwhile, Moreno Araujo continued to dribble into traffic. When I used to play, we often had sessions of keep away where we allow no more than three seconds on the ball. Is Pineda not instructing his players to move the ball, or is he simply not getting through to his young Padawans? I love that you continue the theme, Adam, in every question. Yeah, man, I don't know. Araujo and Moreno right now are maddening. You know, Pineda said he doesn't need heroes, he needs warriors. And it looks like Moreno and Araujo are trying to be heroes. They keep trying to dribble multiple people. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, I, I tweeted last night, if I'm Pineda, I switch them. I put Moreno on the right, Pineda on the left, tell the wing backs to do underlapping runs instead of overlapping runs. It's especially true for Moreno because he's so one-footed that when he's on the left side, he has to cut in. He has no other option. He did not make a pass to Joseph running into space last night because he can't hit it with his left foot. If you play him on the right, it's going to force him to hit crosses with his right foot. It gives him the whole field instead of losing basically the left third of the field when he cuts in. It's it's just a team that I feel bad for Pineda because it's a roster that just doesn't seem to be put together with complementary pieces. Um and then Adam continues, help us, Miggy Almiron. You're our only hope. You win email of the week, Adam. David says, to me, the common denominator of better play in the second half is Almeida, not Joseph. And what am I missing regarding Huzetu? Does nothing well or even above average. Almeida definitely changes the team. As I said earlier, he led the team and uh, passes in the final third despite playing only the final 45 minutes. Huzetu is a nice enough guy, but like a lot of Atlanta United central midfielders, just doesn't do any one thing well enough that you can see the value. It's true of Sosa. It's true of Abara. It's true of Sadich. And Sadich has had good games, but then last night was an awful game. Um, and that goes to the roster construction. Um, losing Ozzy Alonso was a, a horrible blow. Atlanta United had chances to try to bring in another veteran defensive midfielder and didn't do it is relying on the kids and they're just not getting the job done. Ben in Philly, friend of the podcast says Pineda was outcoached once again. He set the team up for failure with his poor lineup choices. I will listen to the arguments to not start Joseph, but leaving Almada on the bench is unacceptable. The game completely changes when he is on the field. Do you think Atlanta can avoid relegation this season? A more serious question. Where can the team organization go from here? The current situation seems pretty dire. As always, thanks for your coverage. Yeah, no, it's this is, um, you know, Atlanta United had a three-game homestand in which it needed nine points. Didn't get them. Only got four. Then it has to go on the road where it's awful and has been for most of the past three seasons. Didn't get points from L.A. Chicago's going to be tough. It's got to go on a run, and I mean – it's pretty clear Atlanta United is not capable under current tactics with current lineup choices of making a run. We're 21 games into the season. 
There's just 13 games left. They've yet to win two consecutive league games. It's just not good enough. It's simply not good enough. Noah says, has anyone ever watched the lack of fire in Pineda's body language? I may be the only one that notices it, but it's clear his team does not listen to him. I don't know about that. He looks like a lost puppy and sometimes like he legitimately wants to cry. I, I don't know about that. Do you also notice this lack of positive body language? To be honest with you, Noah, I haven't really looked. They don't show the coach too much in front of the press box. It's hard to see. And I wasn't at the game last night. I, I was. I watched it from home. Um, late, late start, expensive trip. Just didn't really feel like going out there. So anyway, yeah, I don't really have an answer for you, no. Josh <laughs> says, now I understand why Bobby Shuttleworth retired. If an incompetent like Rocco Rios Novo supplants you, it's time to hang up the cleats. My question is, why do you think Raul Godinho, a former Mexican national goalkeeper, is on the bench? If we had protected Alec Can, where would we be in the table now? I'm buying season tickets again despite the 9% increase, but this is getting harder to justify. Painful to watch, even harder to sell on the secondary market. Yeah, I mean, some of y'all want to blame Rios Novo for that goal. I don't blame him. I blame Huzetu and Moreno for not trying to win the duel. And then the other teams are trying to win too. Rios Novo stopped the first shot point blank. It was hit hard by one of the best players in CONCACAF history, as Rob Uzri pointed out. I don't know why people are hating on Rios Novo. Dr. Fallis, who has not sent in a question in a while, comes back with one. So it's good to hear from you. He says, I hope all is well. Looking forward to the time when you will visit us in McDonough. Dinner is on me. I'm going to take you up on that, good doctor. I'm sorry I haven't yet. It's just a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts in my life, and I'm trying to get them all sorted. My question is, when do you expect the new vacancy to be filled for Darren Hill's position? What would be your pick for that position? I sure do hope they get Garth Lager away. He would be a fantastic choice. They would have to back up the truck, but Arthur Blank has a lot of money. It's just going to depend upon if Garth wants to take on the challenge. And, you know, Atlanta United is a, still the jewel in MLS. Great stadium, great ownership group, deep pockets. But this roster needs a cleansing. And that can be tough to do in Major League Soccer. Also, it is vital, in my opinion, that Joseph Martinez can't be a DP next season. His performance is a small percentage of who he was because of the knee. Do you think he'll be moved after this season, or do you think they will buy him down from the DP spot? Okay, let's clear up a couple of misconceptions about this. Joseph cannot be bought down. His salary is too much. He has one year remaining on his contract. Would I be surprised if Atlanta United traded him? No, I wouldn't. Would I be surprised if they sign him to try to get him to sign a contract extension in which he does become a TAM player? That wouldn't surprise me either. It's hard to find guys who could score goals. And I know Joseph isn't scoring a lot right now, but he does look much better than any time in the past two years. So I think now it's time for Pineda to give him a consistent run and see what he can do. That He carried the team before in the previous years, along with Almiron and Viaba and Lorenowitz and Parkhurst and those guys. It's time to see if he can again, and then you'll know what you need to do with his contract. There's Everything should be tried at this point. And this is a long one from Mike. Do you think for the foreseeable future that Joseph will be relegated to a predominantly substitute role? His finishing is obviously no longer clinical. He stands a lot. He doesn't receive the ball deep and run at players. And right now, he and Dom Dwyer are very similar players, except Dom executes those clinical finish. 
Cisneros. And Cisneros now, as a starter, can run at defenders, run in behind defenders, and press high. Do you see all of this as a potentially the end of an era for our legend? Now, this is something else about Joseph that I've I've noticed the past two years. He has really fallen in love with like one touch blind passing or blind dummies instead of just putting his foot on the ball, turning and running at a defender. I don't know why. Last night he tried a dummy for no reason. He keeps trying these one touch passes around the box. You can't score if you don't shoot. You're a shooter. You're a scorer. Take chances. And as I've said before, I think if Pineda thinks opponents are going to play a high line, he's going to start Cisneros. If he thinks they're going to play in a low block, he's going to start Martinez. But as I said to the earlier question, you got to put Joseph on the field now. You can pair him with Cisneros. Cisneros typically, they both play better as single strikers, but you got to start scoring. And you got to start outscoring teams because that's really the only way it looks like Atlanta United is going to be able to get points. Moments of individual brilliance, so you got to put those individuals on the field who are capable of creating those moments. A second question, do you think Pineda simply got the tactics wrong from the beginning? I do like him. He seems like a good person. He makes himself available to the media. He's a good player coach. He checks all the boxes for the intangibles. But like in any professional sport, results matter and he's not getting them. It would be naive to not take all the injuries into account, which have indeed been massive. But then tactically, do you play for a tie against the better teams for a month or so? Just tread water and get a result? Play defensive-minded and go for counters to at least salvage a point? You have to cater to the opponent you're up against with the personnel you've got. And it strikes me as though he's a little in over his head at times and it's getting out coached. Thoughts. But he does seem like a lovely human to have a beer with, as do you, Dougie Doug D. Money. Well, thanks, Mike. I'd like to put that in my Twitter handle. Yeah, I think I think he got the tactics and the personnel wrong last night to leave two DPs on the bench. I can understand the argument for Joseph. I can't understand the argument for Almada when it was clear the impact he had against Orlando in the second half when he came on in the previous game. As I said earlier, once they saw the Galaxy rolled out a 4-3-3, I don't know why he didn't make a change to a 4-3-3. Some of that is the team just doesn't have a leader on the field. Maybe someone that he can tell, hey, let's do this. Azetu is the captain. He should be that guy. He's trying, but he's still young. So we'll see what they do against Chicago. David says, you've mentioned that one reason Cisneros plays over Joseph is Cisneros is better at attacking through balls. Do you think this is a result of Joseph's knee injury? He isn't just as fast anymore or the result of Joseph changing his playing style? I feel like Joseph used to play from the back line of defenders the entire game, but in the last year or so, he has started to move back on the pitch and has gotten more involved in the buildup. I'm not sure if this is a tactical idea, potentially left over from previous managers, or if he feels he has to get involved to help the team build up. Have you noticed this change in the style from Joseph? I don't think the change is purely a result of injury. I think he did it before his injury as well. It's a little bit of all. Um, Joseph against, I think it was Orlando, did beat one of the center backs to a through ball. So that was a really good sign uh, that he's getting his quickness and his speed back. But yeah, he is dropping back more. Some of that is because the team hasn't been playing with an attacking midfielder. So he's trying to be an outlet to break pressure. Um, some of that is he hasn't had that pace. Some of it is the team keeps falling behind. And when the team falls behind, opponents can drop to a mid to low block and there's no more space to run into. That negates Cisneros's biggest strength too is his speed and it's happened the past two games team score first goals change games as Brad Guzan says they could change their tactics and they know 
as I said earlier, Atlanta United is not going to break them down. They're just not. It, it's as simple as that. Eric says, it seems our offense is constantly limited limited to flinging in crosses to undersized forwards and tight center backs. Alternatively, the opposing defense always collapses in the middle and gives us no space to operate. Do you see the same? What are we missing to find more space at the top of the box? I haven't seen much footage of Almada and Arahuju pre-Ulan United, but is this where their past success has been? Yeah, they, they collapse in the middle because, as I just said, they keep getting leads and then they can just defend the lead. They don't have to worry about anything. And it takes away the space from Martinez and Cisneros and Almada and Arahujo. If you watch the game last night and you look at how many times one of those players would try to cut across the top of the box and get off a shot and couldn't because there were too many players in the way. It just it's it's what it is. But I think you're right in your analysis. Ivan says, why do you think Santiago Sosa has had such limited playing time on Primeda? Because he's been hurt. Hurt or sick, hurt or sick, hurt or sick. It's a lost season for Sosa. Um, I personally would like to see Sosa over Sadich in the midfield. Again, to me, Sosa is a lot like Sadich and Huzetu. I don't quite know what value he brings yet. A lot of you thought he had a great first season, and he did have a decent first season, but I don't think it was as good as y'all thought it was. Um, Can he be a great player? I think he can. Right now, he just doesn't have enough playing time, but we'll see what happens in the next game. Henry, with a few questions, friend of the podcast and a really uh, good college student who's working hard to become a sports journalist, and I admire that. Where do you start with this team? (laughs) I'll address some of that for you, buddy. Second question, why does Pineda seem hesitant to start Godinho, a more experienced goalkeeper with caps for the Mexican national team, over a young and experienced Rocco Rios Novo? Because Rocco Rios Novo is better with his feet, and Pineda wants to play out of the back. That's it. Having said that, I think you'll see Godinho start against Chicago. Joseph has been nearly invisible the last few games, even when he comes off the bench with fresh legs. Does he have a future at the club taking up a DP slot and being the highest paid player on the roster? I addressed that earlier. Uh, Atlanta United may not have a choice. Joseph may want to play out his contract and then test the free agent market. Fourth question is a long one. Your thoughts on Pineda and how he's managing the team. It seems that despite the time he's had between last summer of the offseason and what we've had of this season, he still hasn't been able to get these players to work as a team. Many players seem to be too individualistic at times and have no awareness for where their teammates are. There's a striking lack of creativity in the attack, and trying the same play over and over clearly is not working. Can we still blame the injuries, or is it time to look at the man in charge? I think it's a combination. As I said earlier, Pineda's been dealt a tough hand. All the injuries, you look at the back seven that started last night for Atlanta United against the Galaxy, maybe two of those guys you would have put in as starters at the beginning of the season. Two of those guys weren't even on the roster at the beginning of the season. So that's tough. He's got to protect that defense. At the same time, in the attack, you're right. There are two players, Moreno and Arahujo, who just keep trying to be individuals instead of trying to play as part of the team. And Pineda talks about having to make tough choices. To me, it's it might be time to put Moreno and Arahujo on the bench. Bring in Almada, bring in Joseph, play with two strikers, do like a 5-3-2. The three, again, the three center backs, push the wing backs up high, one defensive midfielder. But you could play Almeida, you could play Moreno if you want to as attacking midfielders with Joseph and somebody else up top. Tell the wing backs, keep your boots on the chalk. 
put in crosses and see what happens. Justin says, hi, Doug, longtime listener, first time emailer. Well, thank you, Justin. Every week, NFL teams self-scout and watch film cut-ups after their games to identify mistakes, successes, etc. I'm wondering if Atlanta United and really soccer teams in general do this. They do. It feels like they benefit from a self-scouting film study to identify things like blown defensive assignments, missed passes, scoring opportunities, etc. Maybe it's just because I'm a visual learner, but at some point, coaches calling these things out doesn't mean much if the guys aren't actually seeing what they missed on tape. Thanks for taking the time to read this and for your coverage as well. It's greatly appreciated. Well, thank you, Justin. Atlanta United does self-scout, but you're right in that the results show they don't seem to be learning from their mistakes. Um, Pineda will not call out players in post-game press conferences. He just won't. I I understand, and I don't blame him. Uh, But as I keep saying, something has to change because it's the same results. It's the same script over and over and over. Pineda disagreed with my assertion that it was the same script, but it was. It was. First goal, defensive mistakes, offense creates two chances in the first half despite having one DP and another former DP on the pitch. Aloni from from Shivas, one of the best teams in the Western Hemisphere. It's got to be better. Matt asks, I've covered Matt's first question about Joseph. But he continues, the impact Cucho Hernandez has made in Columbus illustrates how important an elite nine could be in this league, and Joseph has shown no signs of getting back to the player he used to be. That DP spot is too important to be reserved for emotional attachments, in my opinion. The midfield is obviously the biggest weakness of the team, but a really good striker can paper over a lot of cracks. I think give Joseph the next however many however many games I said were left in the season and see what he can do and then make a decision. And then the last question, Nick says, are there any players or aspects of the performance tonight that should be considered a positive? I can usually see them, and today I can't. Thanks as always. I thought Wiley played well. I thought McFadden put in a lot of energy and a lot of effort. He runs his butt off. Almeida came in and tried to make a difference. Other than that, no. All right, we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Please click share and subscribe. Please tell your friends. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. May the force be with you. Y'all take care. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. 
So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.